we have been doing, obviously, very uh, kind of collapsed uh, services on Sunday mornings for uh, when we're doing it online. Um, so I want to try to, again, adjust, and as we kind of go into this, try to keep us headed in the same direction. Wanted to give a lot of time for worship and just the presence of God this morning as we come together. Uh, but I want to focus on just something simple. Um, most of us know that today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, if you have any kind of charismatic background or Pentecostal background, you have to say something about Pentecost Sunday. Otherwise, you'll lose your Pentecostal card. <laughs> just the way it is. Um, but I, I just want to talk briefly just to contrast, um, really, <clears throat> and about what, what the Holy Spirit is all about. You know, so often, I just literally heard the other day somebody was preaching, and they said, they, talk, they were talking about the Holy Spirit, and they said, it's power, the Holy Spirit's power, and then they kept saying, it's power, and I'm like, you obviously don't know him, right? <laughs> if you're calling him an it, if you think he's the force, you know, if that's what your mindset is about the Holy Spirit, you've obviously never really encountered who he is. And so there's obviously a, a lot we could talk about, about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he, <clears throat> he's part of the Godhead, that he has passions, that he has desires, that we can grieve him, we can lie to him. There's just a hundred different ways to recognize from Scripture that he's a person. But it's really interesting the role that he has played throughout um, the history of the, uh, of, of the kingdom of God. And so in the beginning, you know, you see the Bible talks about the Spirit of God hovering. It's a beautiful picture. Um, the Old Testament was a picture, really a picture of the Holy Spirit um, visiting our, our planet. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, now he's an alien. <laughs> You've got to be careful what kind of thoughts you put in your head. But in some ways he was, in the sense that people weren't ready for him. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he, he comes again as he's God and his desire is to be with us. Um, but his, he has a very specific role and call and, and duty, for lack of a better term, uh, when you see, especially as you move in, into the New Testament. But there were some re- really interesting contrasts. Um, you know, the Passover, um, Pentecost came after the Passover. It was 50 days after Passover. And it was, uh, there were several feasts. There were three main feasts in Israel. There was a feast of the Passover, a week of giving thanks. Um, and it was built around God's um, deliverance out of the bondage of slavery when they came out of Egypt. So most of us know that. Um, we also recognize that it was fulfilled in the crucifixion of Jesus, right? He was the Passover lamb. And so you see that contrast from the symbol, uh, symbolism in the Old Testament to the actual in the New Testament. And then a second feast was called the Feast of the First Fruits. And this is where kind of Pentecost ties in. It was a day of giving thanks. It was also called the fruit, uh, sorry, the Feast of Weeks, Feast of Tabernacles. So there's a different, bunch of different names for it <clears throat> that they referenced it. It was about giving uh, thanks for the uh, birth and the growth of the new crops as they came into the promised land. And the, it was about the reaping of the first fruits, the harvest. They'd come out of the bondage of Egypt. They'd come into the promised land. And now they build this feast, this celebration as a reminder of the people of Israel when they planted their crops and the first fruits of the crop came forward. And you see that tied into, you know, right at the tail end of the, of the, the, the Passover, Pentecost comes 50 days after. And that was also the time where the, the uh, Ten Commandments, the law, was given on Mount Sinai. And so there's this centrality of the law of God, God declaring to the world, this is the standard, this is who I am, this is what, this is what I'm about. And it, he drew a people, a whole people, the people of Israel, and the design originally was to be an example or be a model to the entire earth and, and to, to woo the people of the earth 
into the presence of God. That was the design. And just like always, humanity gets in the way, and sin gets in the way, and we turn it into, I'm, you know, I'm much more holier than you because I have a mountain, and because I have <laughs> tablets, and because I have a tabernacle, and because God's my God, but he's not your God. But if you remember, that's not at all what he said, is it? He said, I'm, I want, this is his longing, this passion of God, that I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. And that he says, it's very interesting, one of the prophetic words in the Old Testament is, I'll no longer, when this, this comes to pass, when it culminates, when my plan begins to take effect, <clears throat> I'll no longer hold your sin against you. And see, this is such a contrast to the, to, the, to the law and what was going on in the law. And it was really interesting that this feast, um, the first fruits, was fulfilled in the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And we know the story. The, the church was born, and there's the first fruits of the church of the living God that comes onto the planet. A new creation, you know, the way the, the original language puts it makes it, it, it makes it out to be that you are literally a new species. And I know that weirds people out, weirds me out. It weirds me out just as much as the fact that masculinity and femininity at some point will fade away and we'll be who we are, we'll be with God. And I have a lot of my identity wrapped up in my masculinity, right? It's not a problem, God designed that's totally fine. But there's coming a day when the Bible says it will neither marry nor be given in marriage, right? And so there's this, there's this transition that God challenges us to think beyond what we're capable of in, in our own minds, and our own reasoning, and he draws us into this place of revelation. He's like, he, he just constantly reminds us, you don't know as you ought to know, so listen to me. I want to show you something. And so this symbology is constant, this constant revelation of the presence of God in the earth and what he's longing for. And so you just see this moving on. I mean, there was another feast called the Feast of Tabernacles that, um, that went on into the, a week, another week of giving thanks, and it was about the end of the harvest. And that day's coming, but that day hasn't come yet. So we're in the middle. We're between the first fruits of the harvest and we're in the, toward the last fruits of the harvest, headed that direction. Remember Jesus says, he said, can you not see out there that the, that the harvest is white? It's ready. And they're like, and remember the prayer he prayed? The prayer, wasn't, the prayer wasn't pray for the harvest to come, right? He's all about that. His prayer was, and his, his challenge to us was, pray that there would be people, there would be workers, there would be laborers sent into the harvest. In other words, that you would capture, you and I would capture what it is that would, God was on about, what he was doing in the earth, not my own little part of it, Right? So there's this beautiful picture in the symbology and, the, and the, this revelation, this release of the presence of God in the earth and what it was looking like. And so again, the Feast of Pentecost coincided with this Jewish Feast of Weeks. occurred 50 days after Passover. And the Ten Commands were given to Moses. And in the picture, again, the centrality of the law. This is who I am. This is the standard that I require. And then you see this whole history uh, pass where no one can live up to the law that God has given, right? And so we knew that in advance because he put, he put sacrifices in place so that we would recognize, okay, I, I didn't do it well enough, and so now I have to offer a sacrifice. And the picture wasn't, you know, this is how we do it. Again, we twist it in humanity and our own brokenness, and we say, well, then nobody is good enough, and, you know, and I'm just going to sit in, the, in this heap of ashes and just feel sorry for myself, right? That's kind of what we do. Or you could look for the solution that God has given. Like we were been talking this morning, praying into this whole issue of racism. Racism is an easy thing to fix. Dave was talking about it. It's just love one another. 
just do that. <laughs> right? It's amazing. It's amazing how if you let the, the, the life of God come and challenge you in those arenas, He gets to the, to the root issues that are causing all the problems, and He just drives them out. How can, you, how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother? Right? John talks about that. First John. How can you say that? You can't. And so the picture is always drawing us back to the centrality and the focus of what God was trying to bring all along. And here's what happens. We try to do it in our own strength. We try to do it in our own way. That's been constantly the problem throughout all of church history. This contrast that God's bringing, okay, this is what it used to look like. This is how it was done. You noticed that didn't work. Now recognize that I was showing you that it wasn't going to work. Otherwise, you wouldn't have believed me, right? If God had come and said, you're never going to do it, you're never gonna, you'd be like, no, but I would, right? You know how I know this is true? Literally, on the, on the day that the, the, the Ten Commandments are brought down, and, and, and the Bible says that they're, they're all over this mountain, you know, they're, I can't imagine this amphitheater, if you will, of millions of people hearing Moses come and declare the law and, and bringing the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. And the Bible says when they finished, when Moses finished saying all the things that were required of them, this is what the people of God said in unison. We'll do everything that's required of us. What I mean, I, I remember reading that the first time and thinking, what kind of arrogance is it that you could say that? I'll tell you, I'll, we'll deal with racism. Racism, here's the issue. It's a political thing. We'll deal with it that way, right? What's a, it's an economic thing. We'll do it. Don't, don't get me wrong. All those can be um, symptoms, if you will. But if you don't get back to the root issue of, God, what do you say this issue is? What do you say the challenge is for me not living up to the standard? What do you say? And the answer is you need a new heart. Right? You need something new inside of you. You need to be a new creation. You need to let me come and live inside of you. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. We've been talking about the presence of God for the last several weeks online, in our online service. What does that look like? And the whole idea is it draws us. This whole deal is to draw us into the presence of God and bring the focus away from everything else and bring the focus back into us. It's so interesting about when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus had been preparing them. The, the, really, prophetically, the, the world had been, uh, been uh, prepared for this for years. I mean, there's just let me read you some, uh, some thoughts from Scripture. This is Joel prophesying, It shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. He promised this. As a matter of fact, when Pentecost fully came in Acts chapter 2, this is the Scripture they referenced. They said, remember... This, this thing, it's not what you think it is, right? You think everybody's drunk. That's not what it is. Something has happened, but God promised this. This is not new. This is not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise to you. But isn't it ironic that it was a surprise, right? And they had, someone had to tell them what it was. It goes on, John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with, with or in the Holy Spirit. In Matthew, in the early part of Jesus' ministry, he said that believers were to be born again by the Spirit. So this whole context was bringing people back and back over and over again in preparation for the Holy Spirit coming. In the upper room, Jesus identified the Holy Spirit as a person. I mentioned this before in John 14. He outlined the work of the Spirit with both unbelievers and believers. He revealed that he was praying to the Father. This is Jesus praying to the Father for the Comforter to come and abide with his disciples. This is what he said. In another place he said, I have to go away so that the Comforter can come. A new dispensation, a new season, right? What was it about? It was about God was, you know, up until that moment, God was outside speaking to someone who, who had their, their sense of self. This is me. I'm, I'm separate. I'm my own person. I'm, 
you know, we do this as Americans. Don't, don't mess with me or I'll dump all your tea in the bay. You know what I mean? That's just us as Americans. Like there's something about that line in the, in the, in the grocery store that makes me want to just go the opposite direction. I don't know if that's because I'm an American or if I just got sin in my heart. I'm not sure. But there's just something about us that we want to push back against this. And it's so interesting. Jesus talks about, he's talking about when the Holy Spirit, he said, I have to go away so that the, the comforter come. And they did not want him to leave. I remember the same thing happened to me when, when I was in the Air Force, and the guy who'd led me to the Lord was about to change a permanent station, and he was, he'd gotten married, and he was moving to the base where his wife was going to be located. And in my own immaturity, I did not want him to go. And I literally prayed, Lord, please don't let him go. And I thought, how mean that was, right? That, that I would rather have them there as my security blanket, right, than for him to go be with his wife. His name was Tom. And Tom said, Dave, you really got to stop praying that. He's going to be wrong. God's ignoring you because <laughs> I know him and, I, and he knows how important this is. He, but, he goes, but you're going to be fine. He said, do you ever think that maybe in some of this, God's drawing you closer to himself and his heart and his desire in this loss that you feel is to cause you then to turn and closer to him and point towards him and come closer to him to be in his presence alone rather than needing me to get you there. I was like, that'll preach, right? <laughs> and we, we've done that ever since. We would much rather have a priest, right, who would go to the Lord on our behalf. It's just, it seems like it's easier. And part of that is because we, we've never really truly gotten to the place of understanding grace to know that in our brokenness, even as believers, we can come into the presence of the Lord. The Bible says for help, we can come right into his presence for help in time of need. What does that look like when you're struggling in patterns of sin? I've shared this a million times, and it looks like this, that you have a heavenly Father who wants to be with you, and he's made a way so sin doesn't get in the way. So you can come to him even in your sin, and his love and his compassion and his mercy for you never changes. And as a matter of fact, it turns out that the way to get out of patterns of sin is to come into his presence and let him change you. Right? It's a beautiful picture. The Spirit was and is a person of supernatural power in the believer. I'm going to get into this in, in some subsequent messages, but I just want to focus on this as I kind of wrap this up. This is John 14, 26. It says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, remember Jesus talking about this, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So what does that mean? Jesus is saying when the Advocate comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to teach you all things. In other places, you'll have no need for a teacher. Because he's going to teach you. And then in contrast, he, there's another part of Scripture where there's a gift called the, a teacher. <laughs> right? So if you have no need of a teacher, then, you know, why, why are we have teachers in the church? Why do we have parents teaching kids? It's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is that even the people who are teaching you, if you're paying attention, are being used by God, used by the Spirit, to speak the same message to you over and over again. You know how you, you're in a good church when, when you're trying to grow and you come up and someone says to you, hey, you know, this is, I've been praying for you, man. I love you. And this is the thing that I see. And I just want to point this out because I love you. And it, so it's a little bit of a challenge, right? And you know, and you're kind of like, I don't want to hear that. And I'm kind of liking where I am right now. I don't want to change. And it's either fearful or I'm, I don't, I'm not ready yet, whatever. And you're like, you kind of push back. And then the very next person you talk to at your church says exactly the same thing. Where's that coming from? It's coming from the teacher. And what's he pointing us to? And this is the thing that we see. The passion that God has is to, is to indwell us so that Christ is formed in us. 
And when Christ is formed in us, Christ can work through us. That's the picture. The coming of the Holy Spirit in power. And in, in, in ultimately, the, the word manifestation is a really interesting word. There's a, a passage in John 14, 21, where uh, Jesus talks about the, this manifestation. And it literally means His presence is revealed or brought to, to light. Jesus' presence is revealed or brought to light, illuminated, manifested, quickened in the life of the believer. So this manifestation thing that we have, if we're not careful in Pentecostal and charismatic circles, has become about signs and wonders. And hear me when I say this. We need signs and wonders way more than, than we, we think we do. We need the presence and the power and the unction and the thunder of God in our midst. He demonstrates His power. We need more of Him moving through us. We need that. But if we're not careful, we make the Holy Spirit's actions into Him instead of recognizing His actions are about something. So what are, what's healing about? Think about this. Jesus goes to Lazarus and He prays and, and Lazarus comes out of the grave. And how would you like to be sitting next to Lazarus one day? You know, and you're like, you're, you're, you're that guy, right? He's like, yeah, you were dead, right? You were stinky. Like, you were so dead, you were stinky. Like, that's really dead, right? Like, that's not mostly dead. That's all the way dead right there, right? He's like, what was that like? Ah, oh, man, when I came out of those, when I came out of that grave, right? When I came out of that tomb and they took grave clothes off of me and I danced and I... I was in the presence of Jesus again. And that, again, that was the whole picture that he came out of the grave and he walked right into the presence of Jesus. And then he died again. <laughs> we forget that part. I don't know why we forget that part, right? We forget that he died again. So what was that about? What was that, that life from death thing about? Especially before the resurrection, it was a picture. Think about this. It was a picture of, of Jesus saying, hey, when I bring you back to life, it's not about a place. It, when you die and you go somewhere, it's not about you go to heaven, right? That's a place. I'm not interested in the place if I don't have the person. And everything that God's been trying to draw us into is to draw us back into his presence. And, and grace, which we preach so strongly, the gospel of grace in our church, and seeing that come, thank God, to the body of Christ in a big way, and a reminder again is to remind us that the grace is there for a reason. Because he wants to be with us. And we forget that. This unveiling, this manifestation really is a picture of just that. It's an unveiling of God inside of you and his drawing. And the Bible says he's going to teach you about all things about Christ. And what does Jesus do? Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1 says, you want to know the Father, right? You want to know what God's like in previous times, the prophets in these different ways. But in these last days, he's shown you through his Son. So the Holy Spirit comes and he reveals Jesus, right? Jesus reveals the Father, the Father sends the Holy Spirit. In this, it, you see this picture of the Trinity and everything that they're about. Every role in the Trinity. And I know this is hard to wrap your head around, but think about it. Everything is about drawing you into His presence so He could just simply be with you. His longing in the garden was to walk with you in the cool of the day. And what happens so often in our lives, especially with everything that's going on, whether it's the coronavirus thing that's happened, or whether it's the racism that raises its ugly head, it's always going to do that. This life is always going to have Lazarus coming back from the dead and dying again until that final day, right? 
So what in the meantime is the Holy Spirit about? And what he's about is drawing us again and again and again to himself. Drawing us to himself. So really what this message was, is about is what's your focus? What has your attention in this life? Uh, this happens so often with me. I have messages. Sometimes I'll try to come and, and be working on a message because somehow I feel like, you know, I've got to bring the goods, right? Because, you know, Sundays are coming. And, you know, this is also where I get my paycheck. And so if I do really, really bad a few times in a row, you guys are like, oh, we want another guy. He's getting old and worn out. We need a new one, right? <laughs> yes, those thoughts come into my head, right? <laughs> but here's what I know. I don't have to come up with it. Karen mentioned this before, this beautiful word over our church, but it's also the, the word over his people. You will never have to manufacture your own fire. So don't ever try. Don't do it. But what will you do? What can you do? You can lean into the kindness and the goodness and the mercy and the wonder and the joy of God, knowing that it's his good pleasure, Right? If I'm gifted to come and preach a message, it's good pleasure to put that message in my heart for your sake. So I don't have to keep coming up. I have to do my part. I have to work and co-labor, of course, in my gifting and, the, and disciplines, all those things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is whatever you're looking for, if you're looking for I need money, my finances are out of order, I don't have any peace in my family, whatever it is that you're looking for, God is constantly through his actions in your life, if you can hear him, is drawing you not to focus on what the problems and the issues are, but to draw you to Him. And so when you pray, your prayer becomes a prayer full of faith. Lord, I know You and I know You're good. And I'm not sure how You're going to do it. But I know in this whole thing, You're going to make it work for good for those who love You and are called according to Your purpose. And He's constantly and is ultimately trying to draw our focus off of all those things around us onto Him. So let me end with this. Where's your focus? Where's your focus? If you ever notice in a camera, you know, if you focus the lens on a camera, something else is always out of focus if you do it right. You can't have both. You can't have the distant focus, and you can do it, you know, digitally. But even with your eye, when you look at a picture that has a distant mountain and a person in the foreground, you can only focus on one thing at a time. You can't, you, it's impossible. And that's the way we're designed spiritually as well. So you have to make a choice. Again, it's your choice. You are the one that gets to focus it. God won't do it for you. He'll give you the view. He'll give you what you need to see. He'll point you at it. But you and you alone have the power to focus your life on the thing that matters. So what are you focused on? We, we shared this with somebody the other day about how we make a decision about where we are in terms of just geographically. Um, I love Dothan. I love this city. I love this area. I wish it had mountains, but you can't have everything, right? If you have, if you have mountains, it's hard to have the beach. Some places, Costa Rica, you have that, but, right? <laughs> so I live with it, right? I'd much rather be in the mountains than flatland. That's just me. I like a lot of trees. Lived in East Texas, and East Texas was still the south, had trees. Went out to West Texas, and I'm like, what is your problem? Why would you kill all your trees? I don't understand you people. Why would you do that, right? It's just the way we are. And what I realize and what I share with everybody when they ask me that question is it has always been about, Lord, what are you on about in my, mine and Karen's life? So as long as God wants us here in Dothan, as much as we love you, we're going to be here. Right? 
And if God says, as much as we love you, if God says, hey, it's time, I want you to relocate, I want you to do something different, as much as we love you, we love him more. And we will leave. By the way, we're not leaving. So that's not like a subtle, so I'm just, some of you guys are, are you leaving? That's where you start going, right? Let me say this, as much as you tick us off, (laughs) we're not leaving. Because that's not what determines it. Right? How do, you, how do marriages stay together? Well, these principles, you do these things. No, nope, it's Jesus, it turns out. You focus on Jesus, your marriage will work. How do you raise kids? It turns out you focus on Jesus. It's ironic, isn't it? That when you focus on Jesus, everything else in your life becomes clear. So I want to challenge you. If your focus has been off, just take a moment and refocus. Some of that means you've got to let go of some relationships that you've been, the Lord's been talking to you about. Some of it, some patterns in your life that you know, you, you know I, I, sleep, I would stay up too late during the coronavirus thing. Can't do that anymore. Now real life is coming back at me, right? But my day shifted, and that's okay. That's fine. You, you can make the adjustments. Whatever that looks like for you, it's a pattern in your life that you know is missing the mark. It's a relationship issue, something you know you need to have a conversation with somebody. Whatever that is, would you just take a moment today and just refocus on him. And as we go through this Pentecost and, you know, Pentecost Sunday, as we go into this more and more, our, our trust is, and we're, we believe in God is going to see, we're going to see more and more signs and wonders. But it's not because we're chasing the signs and wonders. We're chasing the God of the signs and the wonders. Because it demonstrates his power over sickness, over sin, over the enemy. And that's what we want people to see. We want to see what we see in him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? It's been amazing. I know it's been a little bit longer <laughs> than in the past. Um, we're still trying to keep it shorter. It's, it's 11.30 now, so, or 11.36. So, um, but it still feels like it was longer. But we're going to pray. And the way we want to do this, again, trying to maintain social distancing. And you know, as long as the authorities are, are giving us uh, wise things to do and it doesn't violate what the Lord is telling us to do, you know, the Bible speaks to obeying the authorities of the land. That's what we want to do. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to pray for people if you want prayer. Karen, do you want to come up and share about that, or you want me to just do it? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss. Uh, like I said, we've, we've closed off. We can't fellowship in the building because, again, we, if we do that, all the social distancing that we set up the chairs for goes away. <laughs> but if you want to go outside and you want to lick each other on the face, you're, I'm happy for you to do that outside. <laughs> but if you would, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if, if, you, if you will... When we dismiss, we want to dismiss and just kind of, you know, be courteous. And toward the back, if you will, go ahead and begin to make your way outside the auditorium, unless you need to go to the bathroom, of course. But if you'll make your way out, don't congregate, if you will, in the building. Congregate outside. But if you do, if you would like prayer, um, we would love as leaders to pray for you. And so if you want prayer, just stay in your seat. And what we'll do is we'll kind of wait till it kind of empties out a little bit more. And then some of the leaders will come and, you know, get as close as you want us to come and pray for you. Um, we want to kind of let you decide what that looks like as we pray for you. But uh, we're happy to do that. But I just want to pray and release us. It's good. I mean, it's good being back together. So, Jesus, we just say thank you, Lord. You're so good and you're so kind. Lord, thank you that you're constant heart is to draw our affections to you. And Lord, you don't, you don't beat us up. You don't use guilt and shame. You don't do any of those things because you're so good. And so Lord, we recognize that it just makes us want to 
love you more. It makes us fall in love with you even deeper. And so, Lord, as, as we go into the future, would you draw us, not just DCF, Lord, draw us closer, but would you draw us as a nation closer to you? Lord, we see whatever we're trying so many ways is just not working. But, Lord, everything that you do is good, and we can trust you. And when you do it, Lord, you always do it well. And so we just put our trust in you. Lord, we say, draw us near. Lord, thank you that my sin, my missing the mark, doesn't get in the way of me coming into your presence. And I can come and I can find renewed hope and renewed faith. Lord, thank you that your mercies, your word says, are brand new every single morning for me. And so, Lord, thank you for that. We love you and want to be with you um, as you want to be with us. And so, Lord, we dismiss today, and Lord, again, protect us as a nation and so many things going on, Lord. Um, We just trust that your hand is moving in all this and that we would be part and parcel of that. We trust you to use us in our land and in our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.